This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Hello, Raw Beauty crew. I hope wherever you are in the world right now that you are having a beautiful day. And if you are not, well, I'm so glad that you're here with me right now and that we can spend a little bit of time together. Whoosh, there's a lot going on in our global community right now. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I haven't engaged with it in the same way that I normally would, knowing how much protection my nervous system needs. And I felt a lot of guilt about this. Like I should be doing more and I should be speaking up about this and I should be doing hashtag ceasefire and I should be looking at all of the images. However, I've done this in the past. That's the route that I generally take and it can um, completely devastate me. And so I guess I just wanted to remind you as well that it is okay if you know that you are an empath or a sensitive person, if you have to pull back a little bit from what is happening elsewhere in the world. This doesn't mean that we don't take action or make donations or that we stick our head in the sand entirely. But to be honest, when my anxiety is really bad, I'm not much of a help to anyone. And so I'm going to show up here today and I'm going to give you my all and my energy and do my best to fill you up and support you in feeling your absolute best with the trust that that's the most that I can do in this moment. Okay, so I wanted to give you a little bit of update because if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that my husband, Scott, has been training for Ironman, uh, which is a triathlon of really great lengths. (laughs) As in, you start with a swim that takes about an hour, you jump on a bike, which takes anywhere from like five to seven hours, and then you run a marathon at the end of this race. About a year ago, he decided that he wanted to do it. He dipped his toe into doing a couple of triathlons, and then he was like, okay, I gotta go for it. He did a half Ironman, and he talks about crossing the finish line of the half Ironman, and they're like, Scott Jingles, you are half Ironman. And he was like, okay, no, I got to do the full thing. So we had a family conversation because it's a huge commitment with training. We're talking 20, 30 plus hours a week. And uh, I was like, I fully support you in going after this. I know it's not going to be easy, but I got you. And that's what, you know, marriage is about. That's how we support our partners. We had highs and lows over the years. Let me tell you, it wasn't always easy, but 
what did feel easy was supporting him in his goal. Like all parts of me love seeing somebody complete a goal. So that part felt easy. I was excited for him. It was so inspiring to see how dedicated he was and how much time he put into it. Where it got tricky was the logistics of life and balancing all of it. So we figured it out. We talked about, because he was supposed to do this race in August in Penticton, but because there were forest fires, they had to cancel the race. And so Scott decided he would do it in Sacramento in California, and uh, it would push the race back eight weeks. So leading up to a race like this, you do 12 weeks of really intense training before the race. And then you have about a week of tapering off your training before the big event. So he'd done 12 weeks of training and then days before the event, it gets canceled and we push back the race. I think it was nine or 10 weeks actually. So he all of a sudden has to maintain that intense level of training for another eight to 10 weeks. I mean, it was intense to be honest. It was really hard uh, for him, but he was great at keeping his head in the game. It was a bit of a challenge for me because I thought we were going to be done in August. And all of a sudden, I was heading into one of my busiest months at work, and his training was not done by any means. So we talked about going down to California and me just going with him, but I felt like, well, we both felt like it was really important to have the kids there to get to see their dad coming across the finish line. They saw him training. They saw him up late at night because he did a lot of his training at night, believe it or not. And so for me, for Scott, it felt really important to have them there at the finish line. So we all got to experience this last week. He absolutely crushed it with his goal and with his time. Nutrition's a big part of this race. You really have to make sure that you're getting fuel and the right amount of salt and the right amount of energy as you're going so that you don't bonk. And so everything just aligned really, really well. There was a torrential downpour for part of the race. His chain got twisted. I mean, these are all things that come with playing this game, but he was able to keep his mindset steady and cross over that finish line. So it was a really special moment for our whole family. I think we all learned a lot. So I'm dying to get Scott on this podcast. I'm like, babe, I've been doing this for three years and you haven't been a guest. I've been like asking you nonstop. He's so much more private than I am. And he's really methodical about how he presents information. Like you want it to be so thoughtfully done. Whereas I just come on here and can have a few notes and jam. So I am going to get Scott on this show. I can't wait to have him share his whole thought around the process of the training for this. And I'm also, I, I kind of want to just share like some of our thoughts as a family around health and wellness and chasing goals and balancing parenthood. So, I mean, maybe just send me a DM on Raw Beauty Talks and say, Scott, get your butt on the podcast. Come on. And I'll show it to him. And if we get enough people (laughs) voting for him to come on, I know that he'll do it. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. 
Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash raw beauty talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. All right. So let's dive into this episode today. I wanted to touch on a question that gets asked all the time, nonstop. And it comes up in one-on-one coaching. It comes up in my group coaching programs. It pops up in conversation with friends, family members. And oftentimes we'll, we'll talk about it kind of laughing or making gentle fun of ourselves. And so I know that this is something that a lot of people struggle with in some way, shape, or form. The question is, why can't I stop eating when I'm not hungry? Like, why do we eat when we know that we're not hungry? Or we're eating and then we know we're full, but we keep on going. So I want to talk all about this today because, as I said, it's one of the most common questions that I receive as a health coach and specifically as a coach who works with women who are healing their relationship with food and their body. So first of all, I want to state for the record that everyone eats food every once in a while when they're not hungry. We're not machines or robots who are so dialed into our hunger and fullness levels that we can perfect this. Eating is more of an art. And so it's totally normal if every once in a while you find yourself, you know, eating those chips or snacking on the cheese and crackers and you realize, wow, I ate more than I was intending to there. That is normal. When it no longer feels normal or feels good is when we're eating that way all the time. And when we are no longer feeling connected to the hunger and fullness signals that I mentioned earlier. 
a lot of people that I talk to don't really know when they're hungry until they are starving and hangry and, you know, diving for whatever they can get their hands on. And a lot of people don't really know when they're full until they're at the point when they're really uncomfortable. That's a 10 out of 10 on the fullness scale. And we actually don't need to get to a 10 out of 10 on the fullness scale very often at all. So I thought that I would start off by sharing a couple of personal stories of times that are really vivid in my mind when I was emotionally eating. The most common would be for me at the end of a long day at work, I leave the office, which right now, currently in this chapter of my life, is at home, but I'm exhausted and I'm still processing the day and I'm processing the work and I head down to the kitchen. I open our snack cupboard and for me, I grab chips. I grab my Miss Vicky's and I stand there and I start eating some. The first few are like so good. They're so crispy. The saltiness is perfection. And then my mind starts to wander. And now I'm thinking about that coaching session that I had or that email that I still need to do. And the kiddos are talking to me and I keep eating. At this point, I'm not thinking about the food anymore. I am not even in the room with the chips. My mind is elsewhere. But I keep eating and I will start prepping dinner and I'm still munching and I'm still snacking completely mindlessly chomping away and then I'll realize like wow I just ate the whole bag of chips (laughs) and now I'm not even that hungry for dinner and I also wasn't even really enjoying them like I wasn't present in the moment to enjoy that I wasn't tuned in to my fullness signals Now, as I mentioned before, if I do this every once in a while, I don't care. I just move on. It's no big deal. But for a while in my life, I was doing this every single day. Take a moment to think about whether you have any patterns like that. Is there any time of day, maybe it's in the the afternoon at work and you head over to that part of the kitchen in the office that has all of the yummy treats, or it's the end of the day between work and getting home or school and getting home, or maybe it's after you've got the kids to bed or you've cleaned everything up from dinner and it's not quite bedtime yet. That's the little window. Notice if there's any moments in the day where you've moved into a habitual patterning where you head to the kitchen for food, but you tend to get stuck in mindless eating where you're not fully enjoying it and you're over consuming. Okay, so that's a really common situation. If you're listening to this and you do that, which we all do, I really believe we've all done that at some point, then just know that you're normal. However, if it's happening quite frequently, you may start to notice that you don't feel as healthy and well and in alignment as you would like to be. And the reason for this is because you aren't actually listening to your body. You're not actually tuned into your hunger and fullness levels, and you're not making choices consciously. You're moving in autopilot. Whenever we move in autopilot and the choices that we are making aren't aligned with what our bigger goals are, we start to feel out of alignment. We start to feel a bit icky. We start to feel like we aren't showing up as our best self. So just noticing that right now, and I'm going to share some strategies later in this episode to support you in eating a little bit more mindfully so that this isn't the pattern that you're existing in. The second personal story that I want to share is from my early 
20s. So at this point, I have recovered from anorexia. I am no longer in the hospital. I don't have a dietitian that I'm working with. And I, I've followed a meal plan for a while, but that's sort of really loose at this point. So I would get up in the morning in my early 20s and I would have something really light for breakfast. I would have coffee and then I would have like a piece of toast with peanut butter and a banana or a little bit of cereal or something like that. And I would head off to the office and my coffee would have me buzzing and feeling energized. And then I would get through to lunch in my work day. And at lunch, I would be hungry. I would be getting hungry, but I would do my absolute best to pick the healthiest thing that I could. And at that time, I was just super focused on veggies and salad. So most of the time I would head to Whole Foods, I would get a salad. I'd be really conscious about not adding anything that I felt had too many calories. So like there were no nuts. There was just nothing fun on the salad. It was iceberg lettuce and just boring stuff. Or I would get these little veggie rolls that were wrapped up in rice paper, which basically was like eating air. And I would convince myself that I was having enough for lunch and that I was filling my stomach up with all of these veggies and all of these things that were so good for me and I'm so healthy, blah, blah, blah. I would head back to work and in the afternoon, I would start to get cold. I would find that I was having a little bit more of a difficult time concentrating, but I never attributed this to food or what I was eating. It's so obvious now because, duh, food is energy and food is fuel and food helps us think clearly and helps us live our lives. But at the time, the way that I was eating was so normalized in media and I would look at celebrities' diets and what they were eating and you know, it wasn't that far off from that. So I didn't really second guess it. Then I would head home after work. And I remember this crystal clear. I would stop at the Safeway on 4th Avenue and they had these white buns that came in a package. They were like butter dinner rolls. They packed them in a pack of four and I would be grabbing something to make for dinner and I would pick up a bag of these rolls or I would get a Kit Kat And I would get into the car and I would just do these weird eating things. Like I would just eat around the edges of the Kit Kat and get the like chocolatey part. And then I would throw out the wafer part of the Kit Kat, like chuck it out the window. Or I would take the buns and I would peel the bread off the side of the buns and just try and eat that part. Like these fluffy layers of the bread, but I wouldn't I didn't want to let myself actually have the full Kit Kat or actually have the full bun because that felt bad. That felt like bad food, unhealthy food. It would be ruining what I'd done for the day. But of course, once I'd started picking at the buns or eating the Kit Kat, I would inevitably end up eating most of it unless I was able to, as I said, like chuck it out the window or put it at the bottom of the garbage when I got home. So at this point, I'm really hungry and I'm starting to dabble in foods that I've told myself that I cannot have. And I'm just trying to have a little bit, you know, to give myself that sense of satisfaction. My blood sugar levels at this point are also really low. So my innate system within is really kicking in saying Erin needs energy and fuel and (laughs) sugars. So let's get this food in her. And the rest of the evening would kind of spiral from there. So I would end up eating these buns or eating the Kit Kat or just having part of it. 
but it wouldn't really satisfy me. And so I would get home and I'd have a bowl of cereal while I was making this really healthy dinner, most likely stir fry or another salad again, that wasn't going to hit the spot. And then after dinner, I wasn't satisfied yet. Even if my stomach was full, I hadn't really hit those cravings. And this is when the binge eating would kick in, where I was just looking for whatever I could find in the cupboards, generally foods I told myself that I could not have. And I would eat and eat and eat to the point where I just felt absolutely disgusting, where I just felt so gross, felt out of control. I didn't want to be eating these foods, but it was almost like this power came over me that took over and led me to this space where I was eating in a way that I just felt so wrong for eating that way because it was against everything that I was reading about what was quote unquote healthy versus unhealthy. And so I would end up going to bed having eaten so much food. I mean, oftentimes at this point, again, I would be writing down the calories for the day to try and get some sense of what I'd just done. And I would start the next day in the exact same way. Okay, Erin, you can't eat as much today. Let's get back to eating clean foods. You know, you're only having veggies and protein now or whatever the rule was that I made. And this cycle went on and on for years. And inevitably, when you're eating in that way, I was gaining weight. I was losing confidence. My skin was breaking out. I was so stressed. Food just felt like this thing that was so out of control in my life. But yet, there was no red flags for an eating disorder because my weight was slightly going up and up and up versus down and down and down. So I carried on working and having a social life, but underneath, I was really unhappy. And I was so focused on food and my body. I think it took up probably 80 or 90% of the thoughts in my mind. So binge eating is an eating disorder. Binge eating is something that, you know, if it happens one off, we wouldn't categorize it as an eating disorder. But if it's happening frequently, it is a form of an eating disorder. And it's when you eat a large amount of food in a short amount of time and you feel like you cannot control what or how much you're eating. Binge eating disorder isn't your fault either. Like the brain has moved into a space where you're no longer able to think about or hold control around food in the same way that somebody else would. Both of these examples that I just gave you are examples of emotional eating. One, the first one, is really common for a lot of people. And the reality is is that while a little bit of emotional eating is okay, the majority of time we want to be eating based on our hunger and our fullness cues. We want to be really in tune with our body and we want to be a lot more present with food than we are. When we're eating in this way, our body and our health will be able to function optimally because we're using our body as the tool to tell us when to eat. You know, when we start to notice those soft whispers of hunger, we know it's time to prepare food and that we we need to start figuring out what we're going to eat. And when we get to that point where we're at about 70% on the fullness scale, we feel comfortable stopping. As you can imagine, if you are eating in alignment with those hunger and fullness signals, you are communicating and talking to your body and working with your body that you and your body are on the same team. 
things start working well. You have the right amount of energy. Your body lands at a weight that feels really good and normal for you. You feel like you don't have to think about food all the time. You know, you think about food maybe 10, 20% of the time. It is a big part of our life. The reality is it's our primary source of fuel. So we are still going to think about it. But then we all of a sudden have 80, 90% of our mental capacity that can be put towards other things. So emotional eating is when your eating is fueled by emotions rather than your hunger and fullness levels. It is normal every once in a while, but we don't want to be eating that way all the time. So you may be wondering, okay, Erin, great. I totally resonate with both those examples that you just shared, or I resonate with a little part of one of those stories. How did you get from being in that state to the space where you are today? Let's talk about where I am today and what my relationship with food looks like today. I would say that it took about five or six years to move from that space of disordered eating, highly emotional eating, to a healthier relationship with food. Today, I would say, if I was to put a label on it, that I'm an intuitive eater. So I'm really connected to my body, to those hunger and fullness signals. I'm really connected to what it is that I'm craving, what my body needs. I can tell if I'm craving something warm or salty or if I need something that's a bit more cooling, if I need a bigger meal or if I'm good to go with something lighter. I feel like I'm always checking in with my body and noticing what it is that I need. I don't have any foods that I restrict other than red meat, and I wouldn't say that's a restriction. It's more of a preference. I haven't eaten red meat since grade 10, and at this point with everything that we know, it just doesn't feel in alignment for me to start. So other than that, though, like bread, butter, oil, chips, chocolate bars, apples, it's all fair game. I have all of it. We have all of it in our house. I remember back in the disordered eating days being like, I am not going to be able to have kids because they're going to want those goldfish cracker things. And I can't have those in the house because I'll eat all of it. Whereas now the goldfish crackers are in the house and usually they sit there until they get stale. Because when you're eating intuitively, you don't have this chaotic pull towards food and snacks like you do when you're in a space of more disordered eating. So there's just a lot more ease and joy around food. And I think for me, one of the greatest parts is that I just don't think about it very often at all. I mean, borderline, sometimes I need to think about it more than I do. (laughs) But my mind has so much more capacity to be present with my kids, to build my family, to work on Raw Beauty Co. and building out Free to Be and working with my clients. And that is the stuff that really brings me joy. That's what I want for you. So let's go back to this question that I asked at the beginning. Why can't I stop eating when I'm not hungry? If this is you, if you're noticing that you're an emotional eater or you are a binge eater, holding so much grace and compassion for yourself because a lot of this These eating behaviors are taught to us. They are a result of the unwritten rules that we have learned growing up in a diet culture consumed society. 
So the first reason why you feel like you are eating when you're not even hungry is because you're most likely restricting food in some capacity. You're either not eating enough during the day, which is probably one of the most common things that I see in particular for women. You're not eating enough during the day. And as a result, your blood sugar levels are dropping to the point where when you do get food, you eat and eat and eat. The other thing is that you could be eating to the point of fullness, but not satisfaction. And I want to take a second to differentiate between these two things. So there is a difference between being full and being satisfied. Being full is a sensation that we experience when our stomach stretches to a certain capacity. It sends off these little messages to the brain saying the stomach has stretched, there's food in here, we are full. Satisfaction is something that we experience when there's been a combination of fullness and when we have addressed our cravings. So have you ever eaten a big salad or something like that, even like drinking a lot of water, for example, and you feel full, but you're like, "Mm, I still need something salty. I still need something sweet. Like I still need that chocolate or whatever it is, right? You're full, but you're not satisfied. So the brain keeps thinking about food. In that example that I shared where I was binge eating, so much of the problem was that A, I wasn't eating enough during the day at all. And the second thing is I was filling myself up with foods, but I was never leaving myself satisfied. Even when I was having a salad, it was like, there's no croutons, there's no nuts, the dressing has to be light. It was so boring. It would fill me up, but I wasn't satisfied. And so my mind would still be looking for that satisfaction factor in order to be able to fully move on. So the first reason why you're eating, even though you're not hungry, is that you are restricting in some way, shape, or form. You're either not eating enough or you're not eating things that are actually allowing you to feel satisfied. The other piece of this is that if you are struggling with emotional eating or disordered eating, Especially at the beginning, any registered dietitian that you work with or intuitive eating dietitian or working with me will tell you that you need to be eating every two to three hours. So generally that looks like breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack. And you might be like, what? That's so much food. But we want to try and balance your blood sugar levels. And if we have big dips in between the times that you're eating, you're really setting yourself up to binge. So you want to eat enough during the day, you want to eat consistently, and you want to ensure that there's a certain level of satisfaction there. All right. The second reason that you feel like you can't stop eating, even though you're not hungry, is because you've disconnected from your hunger and fullness cues. You've disconnected from those internal hunger and fullness cues that we are all born with. I want you to take a moment to consider what hunger feels like for you. Just check in and notice, how do you know when you're hungry? Pretend I've never felt hunger before. How would you describe it to me? And then same with fullness. How do you know when you're full? 
most people, because we're so disconnected from our bodies, they know when they are extremely hungry and they know when they are extremely full. If we are only eating when we are extremely hungry or extremely full, it has a huge impact on the choices that we make. What we choose to eat when we are extremely hungry is different than what we choose to eat when we're a little bit hungry. Have you ever been in that place where you're hangry? What kinds of food are you craving? I know so many teachers in particular who work all day. They don't get proper breaks, so they have like a really late light lunch or uh, they have a lunch, but then they have three or four or five hours between finishing that lunch and getting home. And oftentimes they'll feel called, pulled to go through the drive-thru. So McDonald's fries never hurt anyone. But if we're doing that every single day, it starts to add up. And part of the reason here is that there, there hasn't been a snack or anything in between lunch and dinner. So the blood sugar levels fall. There's also a huge emotional component after being in a busy class with a bunch of kids. And all of a sudden we find ourselves going through the drive-thru. So if you are able, and everybody can do this, to reconnect to your hunger and fullness cues and to really start listening to those, they act as a guide and they will direct you to tell you exactly how much food you need and when to stop eating. We want to stop eating around that 70% level. So your body's hunger and fullness cues are guides to help you understand when you need food and when you're full and it's time to stop. But if you are not connected to those, if you can only hear those signals when they are a 10 out of 10, then I can guarantee you, you are making choices that are no longer conscious. You are on autopilot at that point in your decision-making and you're eating more than your body needs to, which ends up getting stored in the body. The body can't use it. It doesn't need that much energy. So, This is easier said than done because of the third reason why you eat when you're not hungry. And this is a big reason, okay? So the third reason why you eat when you're not hungry is because you are hungry for something that cannot be solved in the kitchen. And you are using food to fill an emotional void that you have. Let's break this down for a second. When we talk about emotional eating, it's eating that is driven by emotions. You're feeling sad. You're feeling happy. You're feeling stressed. You're feeling exhausted. And rather than sitting with that emotion or using a coping tool that will actually support you in being able to move through it, you grab food because food is a quick fix. Food sets off those feel-good hormones in us, distracts us from the feeling that we are experiencing, and allows us to check out for a moment. The only thing is, is that now we're eating and maybe we weren't even hungry. And on the other side of the food, the feeling or emotion that we were experiencing, it's still right there. We still have to deal with it. A lot of people don't have enough tools in their toolbox to support them in navigating different emotions. And we've also often been taught that certain emotions like anger or frustration or feeling bored, that those are wrong, that we shouldn't feel those. And so we try to suppress them and we almost push them back down in the body with food. Imagine yourself eating those chips or that snack and it's like you're trying to push the stress that you feel back down in the body because you're not sure if you can fully handle it. 
So the third reason why you feel like you can't stop eating, even though you know you're not hungry, is because you're hungry for something that can't be solved in the kitchen or in the cupboard. You're using food to fill emotional gaps that can't be filled. So let's talk about this sentence, you're hungry for something that can't be solved in the kitchen. What are some things that you might be hungry for that cannot be solved in the kitchen? Things like creativity, excitement, rest. Maybe you're feeling like you need some connection with somebody. Maybe you feel like you need more sleep. Fatigue, for example, it's not exactly an emotion, but these are things that can't be solved in a box of crackers. If we're feeling fatigued and tired, we need rest in some capacity. So think about the areas of your life where you experience emotion or where you might be hungry for something that you cannot solve in the kitchen. This is a big question. So if you need to push pause right now to really think about it, because let's be honest, you're not going to, you're not going to sit down later and ponder this. So push pause right now. If you need to think about this, it's a really beautiful opportunity and moment to bring some self-awareness to the table. (laughs) No pun intended to really think about what am I hungry for that can't be solved in the kitchen. And then here's the thing. As you uncover that, like I'm lonely or I need more creativity or I hate my job or I want more friendships, we can freak out because we don't know how to get there. We don't have an equation for that. We don't have the support system in place. We don't know how to deal with the anger that we're feeling. We don't know how to deal with that trauma that we experienced that's still, you know, knocking at the inner door of our core. We don't know how to cope with all of that or the steps that we can take. But here's the thing. If you can bring some awareness to this, I guarantee you that there is somebody, whether it's me or some other expert out there who has what you want and you can start to learn from them. You can onboard them, whether it's listening to their podcast or following them on social media or hiring them as a coach or working with a therapist. Once you have awareness of what you're working with, then the good part starts. Then we can start to take loving, kind action to move us in the direction of what it is that we are really craving in our life. So to recap here, why are you eating when you're not even hungry? I don't even know if I need to say this, but it goes without saying that this is complicated. It's complicated and simple. It's complicated in that it's often layered and there's often a number of things at play. You know, you're restricting food in some capacity. You aren't eating often enough. You're not tuned into your hunger and fullness cues. You're quite disconnected from your body. And then there's some things that you are needing at an emotional level as well. All of these things come into play together and have you eating emotionally or binge eating or existing in patterns that no longer feel in alignment with you. You're living kind of unconsciously, mindlessly. So the beautiful thing is that wherever you are right now listening to this, wherever you are in your journey of self-love or personal growth, You are exactly where you need to be. You do not need to be further ahead and you can't move into the past. Right here is where you take the next step. In this exact moment, you are in the exact place that you need to be 
in order to unfold into your next level of growth, in order to evolve in the next way, shape, or form. Truly, the first step in making any change is awareness. It's that moment that you say, yes, this is something that I'm struggling with and I don't want to struggle with it anymore. Maybe you take a moment to think about yourself five years from now. And if you are living in the exact same patterns that you are right now, I want you to think about that version of yourself five years from now. Where will you be? Is it closer to where you want to be or is it further away? Sometimes it's hard to really look at things and say, you know, if I keep doing this, if I keep eating in this way, if I stay disconnected from my body, if I keep avoiding tending to these emotional needs that I have, I'm going to end up somewhere I really don't want to be. But here's the thing. You are the captain of the ship and you get to create change at any point in your life, starting right now. Literally right now, you can say, I am done with doing this. I am not doing this anymore. It is time for a change. Take a moment to think about how your life would change if you were no longer struggling with emotional eating, binge eating, negative body image, limiting beliefs, low self-confidence. Think about how different life would be even if you were able to think about other things than food in your body an extra 10 or 20% of the time. Imagine being able to process emotions without always leaning on food. Imagine eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full and then being able to think about something else for a while. All of this, all of it, is 100% possible for you. I know some of you are thinking, but I've tried, Erin. I've tried. I've tried this way and I've tried that way and, and it's not working. But you're here listening to this right now for a reason. You're here listening to the words that I'm speaking and this episode for a reason. And it is because you know, you know that where you are right now is not where you want to be and you know that you want more. This is 100% possible for you to eat in a way that you are eating intuitively, that you are more connected to your body, where food isn't everything that you are thinking about all day, every day. I've been doing this work for 10 years because I know how good it feels to be on the other side versus being stuck in that space. And I will continue doing this work and I will continue speaking about it in every single way, shape or form that I can in order to support as many of you as possible in moving from where you are right now to that space that you want to be and that I know that you can be in. I've been lucky enough to work with hundreds of women at this point, and I've seen it happen over and over and over again. But the very first step is awareness and deciding that you are going to make a change. Once you've decided, and this is the key to success in any area of your life, once you've decided that you want to create some change, the best advice that I have for you is find somebody who's really good at what they do. Find somebody who has done what you want to do and study their system. Figure out what their formula is. Learn from them. Absorb what it is that they they did to get there. Don't reinvent the wheel. Yes, you have to make the process partly your own because we're all unique beings. 
but you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So find somebody who is doing what you want to do or who has done what you want to do or who is embodying a way of being that you want for yourself. And then learn from them. Get as close as you can to them. Ask them for help and support. I'm so thrilled (laughs) to be opening up some spots for some breakthrough sessions with you. So these are 20-minute sessions where you and I dig deep and we have some really real, honest conversation about your relationship with food and your body. I just shared a couple of examples of, you know, my own experiences with food and your body. So I always say for anybody who joins me for these sessions that I've heard it all. I've experienced a lot. There's never any shame. I'm always just so proud of you for taking a leap and taking a step and believing in yourself and showing up for the call. We talk about where it is that you are right now. And then where it is that you want to be, what would that look like? How would that feel in your life? And if I can help you to bridge the gap to get from point A, where you are right now, to point B, where you want to be, then we can discuss what that will look like. I will help you come up with a plan to help you get there using a process that I've used and that I've used with hundreds of others, but it will be completely tailored to you. So if you're listening to this right now and you are like, I need this, I'm nervous, but I need this. I want this. I'm ready for change. I can't keep doing this. I don't want to land where I know I will land in five years if I don't create some change. Then I want you to click the link in my profile right now and book in for a 20 minute breakthrough call. I want you to take that first step knowing that I'm somebody who has been right where you are. And for me, the greatest gift is being able to give back in some way, shape, or form to support you in creating the transformation that you want in your life, in creating and supporting you in healing your relationship with food and your body so that you can get on with living your life, so that you can get on with building relationships, building your dream career having the confidence to speak your mind and show up authentically within your family and friend groups. There's so much life for you to live. And I just cannot wait to get started with whoever is ready to take the leap. These breakthrough calls are only happening for the next two weeks. So click the link in the show notes right now. Don't wait. And let's schedule a call, come up with a plan and get things moving for you now, not two months from now, not two years from now, like today, what are you waiting for? I can't wait to see you on the breakthrough calls. Click the show notes down below or send me a DM on Instagram. I'll send over the link and I can't wait to see you in my calendar here for you. Take what resonates from this episode. There was so much in there. You may actually have to head back and listen to it again, but If you found this helpful, I would be so appreciative if you could share it with one or two people that you care about. I know that my life has personally changed hearing content, hearing podcasts, hearing words of wisdom from others. And so when you think about somebody that this may help or support, send it on over to them. You never know whose life you might change. All right, everyone. Take what resonates, leave the rest behind. I will see you next week. 
Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week.